Hello and welcome, my ghost story lovers. This is Beyond the Veil, Paranormal Tales, and I'm your host, Becca. If you are new to the blog and podcast, while you should be able to pop in and enjoy any individual episode on its own, I do explain some things that make me different as I go along here, so you might want to hop back to episode one and start there. But as always, follow your heart. Also, this week is the second part of a two-part story, so if you haven't listened to episode six yet, definitely pop back to that one and get caught up with our storyteller before listening to this episode. Join me here as I sit beside the crackling fire beneath my fuzzy blankets and listen to real people's spooky stories, told in their own words. Some of these spooky stories may contain adult language. Listeners, be advised. The names of all affected parties have been changed to protect the privacy of the storyteller, but you have my word. All stories told here are real, to the best of my knowledge. So, start your own fire, maybe outside in the backyard, grab your own blanket to ward off the night's chill, and settle in as we take a peek at the world that lies beyond the veil. Tonight is Episode 7, Amber and Her Murder House Cleansing. After I left Amber's house on the day of our eventful coffee date, over the next few weeks while I did my own research about Amber's property and all of its former owners, Amber and I texted regularly about the state of things at her house. She said she was having trouble with the doorknob on her 12-year-old daughter Taylor's room. It kept getting stuck, and they really had to fight it to get it open every day. Then, one day, it shed itself and just wouldn't open. At all. No matter what they did. Taylor resorted to climbing through her window, used the small ledge to get to the blue bedroom next to hers, and climbed inside again. That was how she got ready for school each morning, and got back into her room again each time. Of course, as a 12-year-old, being out on the roof of the house is pretty fun, but Amber needed to replace the old mattress in Taylor's room. She had Zach, her 15-year-old son, tackle the door in his football gear to get it open again. I said I'd help her try and figure out how to get the doorknobs off, at least, so they can't be trapped anymore, when I come by next. There has to be a way, and I'm pretty handy if I do say so myself. I could help her replace them if she needed help with that, too. A few days later, Amber told me the black tourmaline I put on the front door kept flying off the doorframe. She'd put it back, and it would fly right off again. She did this over and over again, then asked aloud, "'Do I need to call Becca?' Then she put the stone back one more time, and it stayed. So she called me like she said she would, and I decided it was past time to get my things together, come by and get the cleansing done. We set a date for just a couple days later for me to come back over. Late that Friday evening, I realized it had been a few weeks since my last visit. I hadn't intended for it to take so long, but as I often say, time is a construct. I brought Tony, my oldest, with me to help me keep my ghost hunting audio recorder near me while I worked that night. He had offered to grab anything I might need while I worked, and I agreed he could come if he really wanted to. He's also curious about the process, I think, but doesn't want to seem too interested in something his mom is doing. I play along like I don't know he thinks it's cool. It was probably about 8 p.m. when we arrived that night. I'd come home from work with a large cheese pizza, ate a slice while I gathered my things, and we headed out. When we pulled up, every light in Amber's house was on, including the garage, which stood wide open. 
I grabbed my bag full of things I might need while I was there and wandered up to the front door. It flew open the moment I knocked, and Amber was standing there with her phone in hand. My warped image showed on the phone's screen, and I looked over to my left to see a doorbell camera that wasn't there the last time I came by. Amber grabbed and hugged me, then exclaimed over how tall Tony is now, and she ushered us into the kitchen, where she had a full spread of snacks out. Pizza was cut into squares because teenagers. Taco fixins were out, there was fresh fruit, and a fresh plate of brownies. Ooh, brownies, I thought with a grin, but rounded the bar counter and dropped my things on the table instead. I'll have one later, when we're done, I decided. We ran upstairs to look at the doorknobs, and she had Taylor show me how she was getting in and out of her room. Taylor reached out and shut the door, and I gasped, hands flying to my mouth. Don't get locked in again, you crazy, I said to her through the door. But she was in the blue bedroom already, and laughing. I can open it, I have a trick. She grinned at me, then scrambled back under the roof and into the other bedroom again. Sure enough, the door popped right open again. I laughed and shook my head at her. I shifted into mom mode and playfully cautioned her not to lock herself in the room again and reminded her Colorado only has like four months out of the year that it doesn't snow. And even then, I've seen snow in June here before. It melts real fast, but still. No being on the roof in the snow, please. Taylor rolled her eyes at me and ran back downstairs for more pizza. Amber and I exchanged a mom look and laughed. Amber gasped suddenly and beckoned me to follow her to her bedroom. There was a mattress blocking the door so it couldn't close, and I was about to ask about it when she shook her head and told me she got trapped in her room the other day. Oh my god, what? I gasped. What happened? Yeah, I didn't tell you? Oh my god. I went to leave my room, and the doorknob handle thing just, like, fell off. I couldn't do anything. It's the only way out of here. The kids weren't home from school yet, and my phone was downstairs. She gaped at me, shaking her head. Oh no, so what did you do? Did you crawl out a window like Tay? I asked, horrified. No, there's no way, not on that skinny-ass ledge, she laughed, gesturing out her bedroom window. I looked, and it did look pretty narrow. And the bathroom over there doesn't have a window anyways. I just had to wait for the kids to get home on the bus. She showed me the broken door handle, and it was just a stump sticking off of the door. The lever had come off completely, and the place it was supposed to attach to the stump was stripped. She showed me the handle, and I tried a few things, but it definitely didn't work at all anymore. I pulled out my phone and found a video showing how to remove that kind of doorknob off the door, and sent her the link. It looked like it just needed a very skinny screwdriver inserted along the base of the handle, and the knob would release off the door. Easy enough. We made our way back downstairs to start the house cleansing, and the kids were hanging out around the food, dishing about teachers at their mutual schools. Amber warned them I was getting ready to make the house stink, and suggested they go out and hang in the yard with their food. I pulled a fresh sage stick out and let them all smell it. Taylor said it doesn't stink. Zach said he thinks it smells like weed, and Tony countered, saying his dad thinks sage smells like armpits. The kids all laughed. I started pulling out the crystals that wanted to come with me and began arranging them into patterns on the table. The kids came over to look at what I'd brought and picked up stones to examine them, and I explained what they all were and how they all work as they perused my collection. 
Zack asked what we were doing anyway, and I explained how I was going to clear the house and ask the ghost lady to leave. His eyes went wide, and he asked in a small voice, The one that was in my room? I nodded solemnly. Amber said, Yeah, I told her we need to talk after the doors trapped two of us, and the tourmaline on the door flying off, and the blender. Oh, I didn't tell you about the blender, she exclaimed suddenly. What about the blender? I asked, as I surveyed my work, arranging the stones into their desired pattern. They looked good. Well, Tammy's been talking about Sue a lot lately, and two things set her off. Tammy was speaking about how the bitch across the street was hitting on Sue's husband, and all of a sudden, the blender went off. And it was unplugged. It wasn't even put together. And it wouldn't stop. Amber gaped at me. Whoa, I said, nodding seriously, and my eyes narrowed. Out of curiosity, who all was home when that happened? Just me and Tammy, Amber said, and I nodded. That rolled out typical teenage poltergeist stuff then. If either of the kids were home, that would have been suspect for me. Poltergeist is a paranormal term that simply means noisy ghost, so it's not always a specific type of haunting. Lots of entities can be noisy or move things. There's a subset of poltergeists that seems to surround pubescent kids. It seems to feed on the hormone surge rage fests that accompany that age group, and things move in the home accordingly. That type of poltergeist activity is short-lived and usually burns itself out after ramping up steadily for a few weeks. Then it just stops, suddenly, and never returns again. I was hoping for that kind of haunting, but alas, not that time. Amber also recalled a time when she and her ex Chaz were fighting in the same living room where the light bulbs exploded, and something flew off of a shelf in her kitchen, across the room, down through the stairwell, and into the living room. It hit Chaz in the head, and the incident effectively ended their fight that day. Amber insisted that was just one of many examples of Sue protecting her, and she lamented if kicking Sue out was the right call. I told her that the house cleanse would push her out for a while, but it was up to Amber if she wanted to allow her back in or not. But I said it sounds like she's a little too close to Amber sometimes, and she might be overstepping into her life, which concerned me. Amber's son, Zach, piped in saying he doesn't like that lady watching him sleep and he wants her gone because she's scary. I nodded seriously and asked him if he could remember what the lady looked like. He described her as a shorter lady with short, dark, curly hair, and her skin looked like his mom's, but kind of gray. He said he saw a picture of her on his mom's computer once, and Amber gasped, then nodded. Amber said he had come in one day while she was looking at Sue's Facebook, and he'd asked why the staring lady was on the computer. She said she'd forgotten all about that. I asked Zach if the staring lady looked hurt or angry, and he said no. She wasn't angry or mad or confused when she was watching him. She just watched him while he was in his bed and creeped him out. I asked if he had seen her since he moved his room to the basement, and he said no, nothing has happened since he moved down there. Taylor, Amber's daughter, piped up and said, I saw a shadow man in the hall downstairs, but haven't seen a lady. I asked her to tell me about it, and she nodded seriously. 
So I used to like lay in my bunk bed downstairs and like I was in like fifth grade and I'd sit on my school iPad and in the corner of my eye, you could like, you could just see something like in the hallway. I swear I'm not kidding you. She stared at me, eyes enormous. I nodded deeply. No, I believe you. She nodded and continued, and like, I would look at my dog, and she'd start barking at the wall and stuff, and I would like, freak out, and I'd have to sleep on my couch. I don't know if it was messing with me. I thought for a moment and asked, was it always a dark hallway and a dark room, Taylor? She nodded gravely. That's where Chaz would like, see stuff? Amber chimed in. He said he always saw an old man in the basement. He said it was always dark down there, too, and he talked to him a few times, I think, too. But he was always doing crazy shit with the Ouija board and stuff. I nodded and glanced between them. Sometimes we see things in the dark, like, a lot more clearly than we do in the light. And it is possible for an average person to see something if the entities choose to show themselves. I looked to Amber alone for the last... And sometimes they can change how they look, so they won't scare people as much. Her eyes widened and she understood my meaning. The elemental appearing as an old man so he wouldn't be scary to the wee little human guy made perfect sense to me. Especially if the human could maybe talk to him. Taylor's story felt different to me than Zack's experience. For Taylor, they wanted to be seen. For Zack, he just happened to see her. Both were scary to the kids at the time, of course, but the intent behind the incidents felt very different to me. Tay moved upstairs after all that, Amber said. I hadn't realized Taylor's room was down there at all. And the bunk bed comment suddenly made a lot more sense. So Taylor saw a shadow man downstairs and moved up, and Zachary saw a ghost lady and moved down. I looked between them to confirm, and the kids both nodded. And you've both been fine in your new rooms? They nodded as one. Have you guys had anything else happen to you here? Um, there's noises when me and Zach are all alone, Taylor said, shrugging. What noises do you hear? Only when you're home alone? I asked, eyes narrowing. Taylor looked at Zach and asked, Don't we hear, like doors and stuff? Zack nodded silently, and a hush fell over the group as a whole. Well, let's get this thing going, I said, clapping my hands to snap us out of our daze. I lit a white candle and the dragon's blood incense I'd brought along, then fiddled with the sage and the palo santo, which I had decided to burn together for this house. If there was anything else lurking in the house besides the two entities I knew about, I wanted to take no chances. But the sage and Palo Santo both resisted lighting on fire. It can happen sometimes with a brand new bundle or stick of wood, so I wasn't too surprised by this. The lighter started to get too hot for me to flick, so I switched from using the lighter to using the candle, at least to get them started. Once I got them going a little bit, I called Tony over to demonstrate how I cleanse each person in the home before clearing the house. I anointed him with the holy water I'd brought along, then smudged him with both smoking wands and pulled some tension off his shoulders via energy work. When he was done, I did the same to Amber, then Taylor. 
When it was Zack's turn, I was urged to slide his third eye closed a wee bit, as I anointed him. Goosebumps covered my arms at that, and I didn't say anything about it, but Zack noticed and commented about it. Once everyone was properly protected, I asked if they wanted to have one last conversation with Sue before we asked her to leave, and they all nodded. I got out the dowsing rods and reviewed how to use them with the spirit one more time. X for yes, open wide for no, and Amber's kids both gaped at me as the rods did as I asked. I grinned over at them and asked if they wanted to try to talk to Sue and let them each have a turn with the rods and trying to ask questions. They were met with varying levels of success. Tony was the closest kid, and he tried first. When he took the rods in hand, they began to spin just like they did for me when I first arrived in the house. What the hell? He gaped at me, shocked, as this type of action has never happened for him when trying the rods before. I just nodded and said, it's a very energetic place. He handed the rods back to me, eyes wide, as the other kids watched. I said, hi, Sue, I'm back, and the rods crossed. You know why we're here, don't you? The rods crossed again. Okay, I want to ask you some questions. Are you the one who messed with the blender the other day? The rods hesitated, then crossed. Okay, you knew it wasn't plugged in when you tried messing with it? The rods crossed. Yeah, it wasn't even put together, Amber said, shaking her head. I nodded to Amber and kept talking to Sue. Were you the one who threw the thing across the room? Threw it across the room at a man? Was that you? I asked and the rods crossed. Are you the one who made the light bulbs in the living room burst? The rods crossed. I nodded. Okay. And are you the one who broke the ceiling fan upstairs? The rods didn't move, and I reminded her how to say no, and then they opened wide instead. Taylor piped up and said the ceiling fan was her, so I asked her to explain. She said, well, like, it just randomly started, like, all the pieces. Me and my friend were sitting upstairs in my room, and this was, like, last year? And, like, we were just staying on my bunk, and, like, they just started flying weird. I nodded and said, you didn't, like, put things around the fan and then hang on them until they broke, though. That would be you doing it. This just happened while you were in the room, though. You didn't touch the fan? She shook her head seriously. Okay, then it wasn't you who did it. I turned my attention back to the ghost woman. So, I know you don't go downstairs, I said, and the rods crossed. I nodded and continued. Okay. Are you the only one upstairs? I felt an excess of energy all around me and shook it off. The rods didn't answer. I kept going. So, we were talking about the ceiling fan upstairs in the bedroom. And the rods opened wide for no. You don't want to talk about the ceiling fan? The rods remained wide. Amber piped in, shaking her head. She didn't do it. I wasn't convinced. I was sensing more worry about telling the truth. Since she did something in a child's room that could have caused harm, she didn't want to upset Amber. I pressed on. Are you the one who was responsible for the ceiling fan? She didn't answer. Did you break it? The rods hesitated, crossed, and opened again right away. Okay. Were you trying to get attention? 
trying to get someone to notice you? I asked softly. The rods crossed, and I nodded. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Amber's brow furrowed, and she asked, Does she protect Taylor? I nodded and rephrased her question. Okay, so the girl that lives in the room with the broken ceiling fan? Do you watch over her? Look after her? The rods crossed. You think of her like she's your child? The rods crossed. Okay, I said and took a deep breath, organizing my thoughts. Do you understand she is not your child? The rods opened wide and I felt confusion. As gently as I could, I said, Taylor is not your daughter. The rods swung, unsure. She's not, I said softly with a firm shake of my head. The people who live in this house are not your family. Do you understand that? The rods crossed small. Okay. Have you thought about what we talked about the last time I was here? About your state of being and all of that? The rods crossed small again. I nodded, still being cautious and gentle as I continued. So, tonight I'm going to burn some things, and I want to warn you the smoke is going to make you leave the house. This will help you leave so you can go other places if you want, but you're not going to be allowed in this house after that. Do you understand? The rods crossed small. We are doing this because it isn't your house anymore. I understand it was your house, and you built it and everything, but now it belongs to this new family, and it's their turn here. I'm really sorry that you're dead and that you're sad about it. I do understand. I'm sorry. I know. I sighed at the last, and the rods crossed again, and goosebumps crawled over my flesh. I lifted my arm to show the others in the room, and Zack nodded, showing me he had them too. I feel like she protects us, Amber sighed, clearly conflicted about kicking out this ghost woman who she regarded as a friend. I nodded. Well, she does, but she's also causing some trouble that maybe you're not aware of? I said. She's more upset than anything else. She's not angry. I trailed off. I like her, and I feel like it's something else that entered with the black rock on the door and stuff, Amber said. It wasn't an unreasonable thought, but I felt it was not quite right. I didn't sense anything new in the home myself. But I nodded and said, well, anything that is in here is going to be made to leave. We're going to evict everything that's here, and we're going to put up stones to prevent re-entry and set up some rules for the house. Ask her about the stone that flew at me the other day, Amber said, tilting her head to the side. I nodded and asked, So, Sue, the stone that's on the front door, the one I put there the last time I was here? The black one. Do you know what I'm talking about? The rods crossed. Okay. Did you touch that the other day? Was that you who touched it? The rods opened wide. You did not touch it. Okay. Was it... Was it the one that's in the basement who made that fall down? The rods crossed. Okay. Can we confirm that, please? I'm going to do something a little different for this one, I said, explaining and pushed my hands and the rods away from my body. Okay, so I want you to, if it is the person in the basement who keeps you out of the basement, if it's that one, that 
uh, entity, I want you to spin the one that's in my right hand. I want you to spin it, let's say, five times. I instructed and then waited as the right rod began to spin. Tony said suddenly, It's gonna hit you in the face, Mom. I pushed my hands further away to prevent that as I counted the spins. Three, four, five, and then stop. Stop? Okay. So it is the one that's in the basement? The rods crossed. Okay, thank you. I turned back to Amber and clarified. I think it is the basement guy. Remember I told him I'd be back soon? It's been a while, longer than I planned for sure. I think he knew the activity around the house got my attention and he wanted me to come back. Not just anything would be able to touch the black tourmaline, let alone move it. And it didn't break when he touched it, so that tells me he's not evil or anything bad. He just knew moving that specific stone would get my attention, I think. Amber wanted to know if it's just the two entities in the house, so I asked, and had to clarify with numbers how many living humans were there, plus the ghost woman and the elemental. Sue confirmed it was just us, as far as she knew. But with her not being willing or able to go in the basement, I wasn't totally sure of that. But that answer told me she was alone upstairs, at least. While Amber and I chatted a bit more, I handed the rods off to Taylor so she could give them a try. She asked if Sue is in her room while she sleeps and got a yes. She asked if Sue thinks she's her daughter and got a hesitant yes. She asked the lady not to bother her while she's sleeping and handed the rods off to her brother. Zack tried the rods, but they didn't really work for him. He's more like his mom there, or maybe that's just not how he will communicate with entities himself. Taylor said she doesn't really like the guy in the basement and said he's creepy. I said, as calmly as I could, that I believe he is not a ghost like Sue, but he is something different. The kids started freaking out, worried it was a demon, but I clarified and took the rods back to confirm my suspicions. I said, yeah, he's not a person, but he's not a demon either. I would call him an earth spirit. He's very, very, very old and is tied to the land. He's something the native tribes in the area would have worshipped, and he would have looked after them in return. I explained that he was sad his people are gone from the land, and he isn't connected to the people who live there now, and it makes him upset. So we are going to help him shift to a new place where he will be happier. I confirmed with the Elemental that Sage will not hurt him at all, because he's a protector-type being, not a bad thing. I also confirmed he's happy about the windy place I plan to take him to. I explained to the kids what my plan was for moving him away from the area, and I explained how I was going to clear the house with the smoke. We chatted a bit more about how Sue isn't bad either, but she needs help to move on, away from the house. She was trapped in the house, best I could tell, and it would help her, even if she didn't like it at first. Change is scary and all. Taylor ran off to her room to hide while I did the smudging. Amber's phone rang and she ran off to the garage to take the call, and the other two kids and I headed into the basement to get started for the night. We started in the den, where I first sensed the elemental, and Tony was hit with a wave of nausea and dizziness once we got down there. 
he had to sit on the stairs for a moment as I went around the room with the sage in Palo Santo. While I cleared the first two windows in that room, I sensed there was something there and shoot it away, and Tony said he felt better all of a sudden. I nodded and kept going. I had to keep relighting the sticks as they went out to keep the smoke going. I relit to get the second window in the first room. I relit in the bathroom downstairs. I relit in Zach's bedroom twice and once more to get the storage area under the stairs. We made our way up to the living room and the kids sat, chatting about homecoming at their school while I went around that room. Tony handed me the audio recorder and stayed down there, hanging out as I kept going. I realized I couldn't find the lighter anywhere, and asked the kids to look around for it for me and described it to them. I ended up using the candle on the table to relight the sticks as they continued burning out again and again. The bathroom on that level was fine, and I had another chat with Sue in the sitting room as I cleared the space and did some energy work to pull up the negative feelings I caught while doing the initial walkthrough. I reminded her that she could go haunt her murderous asshole husband if she wanted, or go look after her daughter and her sister's house, and kept going. The kitchen was fine, and I was drawn to that mirror in the dining room. I pulled a psychic wall down behind it after cleansing it and warded it against use by spirits, relit the wands again, and then made my way up the stairs. I pulled up the negative energy I felt on the landing and in the master bedroom doorway, the area in front of the master bedroom window, and the area in front of her old closet. I ran down to the candle, which was nearly burned out, and asked it to please hold on just a little longer so I could finish my smudging. I cleared the energy that remained in each of the kids' closets and did a quick sweep around the exteriors of each room. I told Sue it was time to go now and wished her well as I kicked her out of the house as nicely as I could. The house felt much lighter after I was done with my cleansing. The candle burned out just a few minutes after I was done cleansing the home. I never did find the lighter again. It vanished like so many other things that Amber's house had before it. I scolded any fey folk that might be lurking about and told them they needed to stop taking things that didn't belong to them. I acknowledged they probably thought it was funny, but assured them the humans disagreed. I ran around and placed black tourmaline in each of the windows, and put a piece of selenite in each of the furthest corners of the home to try and cleanse and protect the space from anyone coming back in once I left. That done, I tried to think of anything else I needed to do there, before gathering up the soil from the yard. I wanted to do that last and get out of there. Nothing came to mind to wrap up, so I put some blessed pink salt and chamomile into the jar I needed for the yard. I ran out with my little camping shovel in the jar and found an open space in the soil where the dog had dug down past the grass and filled the jar about halfway. I took it back inside and added the ash I had collected from the house cleansing and a couple stones, amethyst and hematite. I ran back outside, filled the jar up the rest of the way with the soil, and called out to the entity, telling him it was time to go. He came over to me, and I felt hesitation from him. 
I promised him I would be true to my word and said he should be able to tell he can trust me. He acquiesced and went into the jar, which suddenly became tingly with energy in my hands. I promised I would release him again at the new location and put the lid on. I brought the jar back inside the house as Amber came in from the garage, her long phone call finished. I handed her the jar and asked if she could feel the energy radiating from it, and she held it briefly, then shuddered, nodding, and put it down on the table. I decided to do a quick tarot reading at the house before leaving to see how my work had gone, to see if I was missing anything before I left for the night. I drew the following cards from my Wildwood deck. King of Stones, Knight of Arrows, and Twelve, the Mirror. My overall impression was that the Earth Spirit is a protective entity, I saw through the layers of doubt to see the truth, and there was a reminder to be vigilant. I worried something else might try to come into the area with the removal of the protective elemental, but decided to just deal with that if and when it came up. I also got the feeling Sue's journey was far from over, and she was lingering around outside the house. I told her to come find me when she's ready to cross over, and I will help her. I said goodbye to the family and told Amber to let me know if anything else happens. I told her I need to go deal with the elemental that night before bed, and as I loaded up in the car, I realized it was already midnight. I'd been there four full hours, but it felt like no time had passed. Tony and I went from there to the chosen location for the elemental, driving with the jar out in the open so he wasn't hidden in a bag. He needed to see where we were going, I think. I walked with him under my arm as I hiked out on the trail in the darkness, wary and listening for coyotes. That kept me from hiking too far out from the parking lot, and when I found the place for him to rest, I set his jar down and pulled out the camping shovel again. I dug a hole big enough for his jar's contents to fit in, off the trail just a bit. When I opened his jar to set him free in his new home, a gust of wind came by, and I decided to toss some of the dirt from the jar into the air so he could mingle with the new land and become a part of it. I tossed a handful to the wind, poured most of the jar into the hole, then tossed another handful from the first round of digging, and emptied the rest of the jar into the hole. I covered up the soil from the other site with the soil from the hole, patted it down into place, and said goodbye to the elemental. I told him I hike in that spot from time to time, so I'd come and see him later, and I was surrounded by a warm cloud of happiness. I told him he was most welcome, and I hope he's happy in his new place. My body rang with goosebumps as I ran back up to my car to head back home for the night. Amber's house has been, to date, the most energetic house I have helped clear. I've certainly never been in a home with a murder victim before, and her reactions to the changes in her world were totally reasonable. Sue didn't like Amber's asshole boyfriend, so she tried to make him leave. She watched over the children, who she felt responsible for, but never tried to scare anyone. Well, other than the neighbor lady who kept talking shit about her and her situation. I would be upset by that too, Sue. I feel ya. The Elemental does seem quite happy in his new home. I've visited him a couple times since that day, and he's always in a much better mood than he was when I first met him. 
I sense him as a big sheet once again, tethered to the ground, flapping happily like a giant kite in the wind. I can't blame him for being unhappy in his old place with the developments that had happened there over time. We humans do seem to take over huge swaths of land and can be oblivious to the effect we have on the properties we take over. Most people just aren't sensitive to it, or perhaps we all feel nobody would believe our stories. So we don't notice them, or we just keep the weird happenings of our homes to ourselves. It's understandable. Nobody wants to come across as crazy talking about this stuff. Amber didn't think anything of the activity at her place, even though it was pretty strong. If I hadn't come by to hang out and been accosted, I wouldn't have thought to ask if anything weird had happened on the property. And she certainly wouldn't have known to ask me to come over and help her, because I hadn't mentioned my weird stuff to her either. Overall, this just tells me we all need to be a little more open to sharing our weirdness with each other. None of us are alone in it, after all. And there's a power in coming together and telling strange truths. So don't hide your weird stuff too deep, okay? Thank you all so much for joining me. If you have a paranormal story of your own to share, email me your stories and I will read them here. Send your stories to Beyond the Veil Paranormal Tales at gmail.com. Or you can send me an email to schedule an interview if you prefer. We can meet via video chat or text while we're all in lockdown and staying the fuck at home like good little children. All stories will be anonymous, as always, for your protection. You can find us on Instagram, our Facebook page, and our Facebook group if you like. Join us but play nice or I'll put you in timeout. All episode-related artwork and photos will be posted on Instagram, as well as on the blog. If you'd like to support the blog and podcast, you can do that by sharing with a friend, subscribing, rating, and reviewing us online for free, which we really appreciate, and that helps other people like you find us. If you like what you hear and want to leave a little tip, you can do that over on Patreon. Your donation helps cover the costs of production and replace dyeing equipment as needed. If you do choose to donate, thank you so much. I think that about wraps it up for tonight. Stay cozy by that fire there and keep your blankets toasty. Don't look too hard at the dark hallway behind you. And turn the lights on when you head up to bed, just to be safe. Until next time, this has been Beyond the Veil. Paranormal Tales with Becca. Sleep tight. The names in this story have been changed to protect privacy. All other details of the stories remain true to fact. <laughs>